Welcome to Achieve Wealth through value-add real estate investing. This is the show where the guru hype is banned and you get direct insights from commercial real estate operators. If you're a passive investor, this show can help you better understand investment opportunities. And if you're an active investor, the lessons from each episode can help you to become more effective in your own deals. Now, here's your host, investor and author, James Kandasamy. Hi, audience and listeners. This is James Kandasamy from Achieve Wealth Through Value at Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we bring in uh, high quality commercial real estate operators to be interviewed. Last week, we had Todd Dexmeyer from Midwestern States. He's killing it in that area where he focuses a lot on uh, buying multifamily in that area. And, you know, imagine he started buying mobile home park and ski resorts and later on ended up in uh, multifamily. So you want to check out that episode. This week, we have Joseph Bramante from Triac Real Estate Partners, who is based out of Houston. And they buy deals in Corpus Christi, Houston, and Victoria. And Joseph owns and uh, controls almost 600 units on his own. And it's another 300 to 400 units as a fee manage. Hey, Joseph, welcome hey, to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So very happy to have you here. And um, thanks for coming on the show. I want to go deep into your, you know, what are the deals type that you're buying? And uh, can you give a brief introduction on when did you get started and the sequence of purchases that lead up to uh, current uh, 600 units and another three, 400 uh, fee managed properties? Yeah, so uh, I got my start in 2011. I bought a 26 unit apartment complex. I was Still working in uh, corporate America, I was uh, an engineer for Exxon at the time, working overseas. I actually lived in Papua New Guinea uh, when I got my start. So we were living in a compound in Papua New Guinea, had more money than any 24-year-old should have, and uh, got the bright idea to, I mean, buy multifamily. And there was there was more to the story, but to keep it short, we decided to buy an apartment complex, and we found the property, bought it, uh, and did basically almost everything wrong that you could do on your first acquisition. And And we spent the next three years kind of fire learning how heavy value-add multifamily works. You know, the one good thing we did on my first deal was we bought it in a great location. It's uh, really close to the Galleria. Uh, and over a three-year period, we leased the whole property down did a $30,000 per unit renovation and then leased it back up and doubled the rents, which, you know, my mentors at the time were telling me, sell the property, take a loss, see if uh, you are not qualified to do this. And for the most part, they were correct. But nonetheless, we we did it. We got double all of our money back over 200% return. And uh, obviously the, the mentors didn't really like that so much when I didn't take their advice and made not, not only didn't lose money, but doubled my money. And then that was kind of my, my flag in the sand to the rest of, you know, I, I was at Parva, I joined a real estate group at that time between purchasing and selling uh, or purchasing and refinancing that property, still own it today and um, use that that success on that track record, as small as it was, to raise capital and buy uh, more value-add deals. And uh, over the next four years, we bought almost a deal per year, sold one deal, uh, and was really just kind of laying the foundation for our owner management stuff, you know, because there's uh, owner management is really, multi is really involved, you know, and I know 
uh, people who try to make it sound like it's really simple. And I, I see these guys that are growing these massive portfolios almost overnight. But there's a lot of foundation work that you have to build in order to really even grow that. I mean, there's a big difference between going from a thousand units from like you know a hundred units to a thousand units, and you look at the amount of managers and staff you got to have just to run that back office. So I think for us, we've been just kind of going slow and methodical uh, up until about 2016. And then at that point, we I formed my company, Triart. Uh, it was it was consistent of myself and my two partners, Carrie and Deborah. Uh, these two ladies were, uh, they have 30 years of product management experience each, and they were the backbone to uh, all of the properties uh, that we had purchased prior. Uh, they were key in that lease down and lease up and the success of that first property and really kind of taught me from a property management perspective what I can and cannot do with the property. Uh, and they really, you know, the good thing is that here, but, you know, buying local, you know, so we're local and, and you're, you're local in Austin. So I'm sure you see this all the time. You get these out of sight, outside, sorry, out of town buyers coming in and they're buying properties that everybody else who's local has passed on for, <laughs> for a reason, you know, and I'm sure the data might seem great, but there's a reason that nobody local is buying that property because they know that, Outside of the data, there's the whole, I don't know, cultural and just what is that submarket that will take years to turn. But anyway, they've helped me avoid a lot of pitfalls. And, and most, I think all the properties we bought, except for one, which we sold, have just been phenomenal properties. So anyway, 2016, we, we, uh, my company, we merged together, formed Triarch. And then in 2019, uh, just last year in January, we'd made the decision because we have all this expertise in property management to go ahead and start growing the fee management. Because you know, in 2016, we merged. They were a standalone property management company. They had uh, over 2,000 units, and they had started as part of the merger process, started letting go of clients, and were going mostly owner managed. Uh, but then in 2019, as I mentioned, we decided, you know what? Maybe that's the wrong path. Let's let's grow the fee manager. Let's grow both from both ends. And so just in the last 12 we're an owner this month, and we took over another one in Lufkin uh, last month. So we've had you know, tremendous growth. We've got about 250 units on the fee manager side that we're mm-hmm. taking over. So we've decided, you know what, let's we're gonna grow the fee manager side. And that way we're not, you know, we've got plenty of fee income coming in and we're not going to be rushed on the owner management side because you know the worst thing you can do and you know this is to mm-hmm. you know to have you know financial you know you know it costs money to run a company and to have those financial constraints force you into buying a deal that maybe you don't want to buy uh, or probably shouldn't be pressured into buying but for us on the fee managed side that's we're that's allowing us to grow triarch exponentially faster and, and you're, you're always going to be able to grow yeah, fee managed yeah. companies a lot faster yeah. than owner managed. Yeah. We, sure? we will go in very deep into that, but I want to get back to your beginning part itself. I mean, you gave us a lot of information here, so I want to really dissect into one by one. So you're originally from uh, Papua New Guinea. That's no, 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 no not from Papua. You, I was working there, in Papua yes. New Guinea. Yeah, I've, yeah, uh, yeah. No, Google Papua New Guinea. You, you, you would know there. It's an awesome place. You know, I lived oh, yeah. there for two years. I okay, was working in a compound and it was basically like living inside of a National Geographic magazine. Like everything mm. you'd see in those magazines, sure, I saw, I saw, you know, people in tribal outfits and I saw bows <laughs> and arrows and I saw tribal wars between one tribe and another. And I saw some pretty nasty stuff as well. 
it's pretty gruesome right. stuff but uh nonetheless it was a heck of an experience and uh oh, certainly God. learned a lot as well working for exxon yeah oh working for exxon okay good yeah i mean well i came from malaysia so i know near borneo and i've been uh, to borneo and there's a lot of uh beautiful uh, forests my, my business manager was from malaysia oh yeah. cool cool yeah cool. yeah all that uh you know oil producing countries right <laughs> so, <laughs> let me get into the the timing of your start and the market that you uh, started right you started in houston right? i mean i believe even when i started in 2013 with my single family houston was like the top market right i mean yeah. much high, much much better than dallas i mean right now everybody talks about dallas and austin but at that time houston was like the top market for past few years and how was the situation when you're buying your first deal? I mean, uh, so you were working full-time as an engineer in Exxon. And then how did you make that transition to, you know, hey, let's buy multifamily. I know you said you you had an investment club that you learned, learned some things, but how was your mindset shift from uh, being an employee to now I want to be into a, a real estate investor? Actually, first, so I'm, I'm going to get to that question. So, but first, so, so I do have a, I told you I had a big announcement. So I want to go ahead and get the big announcement <laughs> okay. before, if that's okay. Because I, I know this story I'm about to tell you, like the back of my hand, I've given it a couple hundred <laughs> times. So, uh, but the big announcement for us, everybody knows. So we have Real Estate Partners. It's actually, it's actually two companies. It's Triarch Properties, which is our owner management side, and Triarch Living, which is our fee management side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then effective today, uh, we're launching a third company called Triarch Construction, which is going to be our renovation side of the business. You know, as, you know, as we're going to talk about, we've been pretty heavy on the value add side. We're, we're pretty good at this. Right now, we've got a 40000 per unit renovation underway, which is just a monster renovation. And part of what we feel is missing in the market, especially when it comes to the construction side, is a kind of turnkey approach to multifamily renovation. You've got a lot of these operators who who can see rightly so that there needs to be a renovation some value add improvement but they don't fully understand how to i mean aside from the physical calculation of what it's going to cost they don't understand the execution side of okay i've calculated what it's going to cost but there's this whole other side of okay now i've got to implement and execute it and how do i do that and so what we offer from on the as far as a service from the construction side is not only can we build it for you and we can do the renovation, but we're able to tie that with our management company. And so you've got a seamless uh, communication between the team that's managing the property and the team that's renovating it so that you're, you have the highest probability and chance of successful at your value add. Because I've seen you know, my first deal, we lost $80,000 on the carried interest alone because we, we executed poorly. And yet we still made over 200% return. So we were we were successful in spite of ourselves, but on deals th- these days that are so tight, you really have to have very good communication between the operating team mm-hmm. and the renovating team. And those days and weeks that go in between of a uh, between your meetings, assuming that you're having them, can really make a big difference. You know, if something is missed and if you don't have a more seamless communication, it can really cost you a lot of money as far as the renovation. So, anyway, try our construction is is strictly here for the Houston market for now. So. If anybody's out there doing renovations, definitely awesome. get in touch with us. So we're, we're definitely excited to be rolling that and offering that service. So anyway, there's my there's my big news. <laughs> oh, awesome. Thanks for the news. So let's get back to the question. So On Houston, 2011, so what, yeah. 2011. So the big adjustment for me. Now, part of the backstory for me is I was, you know, I was working overseas and 
you know, the best thing that ever happened to me was getting laid off from my job at Exxon in Mm -hmm. like six months after buying that first property. Because, you know, uh, there's, there's a saying that, um, that I've heard, and we both know, I think the guy it came from Mr. Dell Walmsley, I'll give him credit or credit is due, but he he used to tell me this thing uh, that said, uh, what gets in way of a good what gets in the way of a good life is a great life, and I had a, had a really good life, and so I had this property that I wasn't really even paying attention to because my monthly income was huge, and so you know I just wasn't giving attention to it anyway. Lost that income, that inc- and uh, so suddenly I started really paying attention to that flex, uh, and it wasn't doing so hot. So um, so that was a you know I took about six months off, and all I did was I, I joined a real estate group, uh, Lifestyles Unlimited. You know, I was, we can say good things, we can say bad things, but nonetheless, I, I joined them and and they did help me get over. They were a great, I would say, stepping stone. I don't want to, I'm not endorsing anybody to join them now, or I'm not saying don't join them. I'm just saying, for me, they were a good stepping stone. I'm 2011, they didn't have all these podcasts, you know, I had books. and And what got me to get into the industry was, since you asked, I, I just read books. I, I read six books. And the first book I read was, they were just contrasted single family versus multifamily. And the thesis of the book or the summary was it, single family is great. Percentage wise will always kick ass compared to multifamily, but volume wise, it's not there. So if you have the money, go straight to multifamily. I had the money. I went straight to multifamily. A couple more books. I read one on analysis, um, and basically just self-taught myself real estate or multifamily. Plus, I'm an engineer by trade. I was doing, I was managing about a billion dollars in costs for Exxon, so I was pretty good at this numbers thing. Uh, so I felt, you know, and I was also 25, 24, 25. So I had a little bit of uh, ego to me. I thought I was invincible, so I um, went and. I had to, uh, you know, went and bought that first property. It was me and a friend. Uh, we went 50-50 on the deal. And um, so that's that was what I, that's what, how I got interested. Read books, got into it. And then what I realized was that I was like a master at the 30,000 foot level because I'd read these books. But when you get down to the day-to-day of what's going on, I mean, those books didn't tell me how to do a due diligence. And I'm sure maybe there's books now that'll teach you. And I know for sure there's podcasts. There's, there's so many resources now compared to when I got started. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I mean, you just, I feel like people these days, investors now have such a huge advantage to getting in the market. But the only advantage that we had in 2011 was the housing crash had just happened. <laughs> so we were buying stuff, bought my first one at $25,000 a door, which is another reason why everybody thought that 8000 foot door renovation was crazy because I was spending more on the rehab than I did on the purchase price. Just Imagine that, and now it's worth over one hundred thirty thousand a door. So it's you know it, it's it worked out well for me. That's how I got in, and then I actually didn't go right away. You know, nobody goes full real estate. You don't go you don't go a hundred percent into multifamily on your first deal. Uh, as far as like being able to sustain yourself, uh, especially you know for me, I was I came from a very high I was a high income earner, and that's the hardest thing to replace a high income with multifamily takes a long time versus, uh, and I'm I'm not saying this to be insulting at all, so please, but if you're starting from a lower income, it's a lot easier to replace that lower income 
versus if you already have a, you know, a good, strong six-figure salary, that's going to be harder to replace that on a regular basis uh, that you can depend on in multifamily. You got to buy a couple deals. And so what I do, I worked at a day job, just like you know, everybody else. I, was, you know, I had to support myself for about another year bought two more deals uh, and then refinanced the first. And then finally, I had enough at least on the, uh, when I refinanced and got all my, I got double my money back from the first deal. Plus I had some residual ongoing cash flow from two deals that we just bought. That's when I made the decision, go ahead and exit, go full time. Cause I had, you know, a pretty big reserve built up and I felt comfortable and we're on a good track. We're above, but I know, you know, some people are, buying faster and slower that's that was just how how we did it you know got it got it but you started even when you started you started the deep value at right like deals where you have to put in like thirty thousand a door forty thousand a door i, I mean, don't want to pretend of- like i was it wasn't <laughs> intentional when i bought that first deal it was supposed to be a three so that was the other side of the story okay, I, I think we lost, I get we lost into this thing. Is it, you said supposed to be three thousand Three thousand, three zero zero zero. And then it went to thirty thousand. Thirty thousand. So I, I missed the mark by you know just a little <laughs> bit there. Um, and uh, but you know it was my thanks first for being deal. honest because I think that's that's very important for oh absolutely I think people uh, to say that there's there, there's a huge chance of you making mistakes no matter you know you have a mentor no matter you have a club behind you you can still make a mistake right uh, the thing that worries me with everything you know with the sec 506c and all these are making it so easy to raise money publicly is you got mm-hmm. so many people trying to like fake the funk so to speak mm-hmm. uh where they're just which is and which is fine if you're applying for a job and you're trying to make your resume sound like you did more than you did mm-hmm. but here you're raising money that's people's money that's gonna that you could potentially lose and, and so that's, you know, that's not cool. And so I think with us, like, we're very honest. We say, yeah, like I, you know, I screwed up the first couple, the first deal and we were off on our, like my third deal that we sold for a, almost a 200% return. Uh, I got, I projected a 300% return. So I was, you know, you were, I learned a lot in the way it's very hard to get, you know, to get the sections right. You know, multifamily, and you know this because you're a CCIM, multifamily is one of the hardest classes of real estate to underwrite. Harder than office, harder mm-hmm. than retail, because you've got so many tenants, so many parts uh, that to really do it and do it well um, is, is challenging. Yeah. I think what you're saying is it's hard to underwrite and after that, execute the business plan and based execute. on the underwriting, right? So Yeah. Oh, yeah. So- <laughs> but, but I want to really go into this. How did we how did we had so much delta between 3000 and 30000 30000 because i think it's a good learning that someone else can take simple. it and so let's let's go deep into that how did you thought it was 3000 and I how did it, it was 3000 because our broker uh who i think he's retired right now uh, <laughs> okay but he's safe he, now then. <laughs> yeah i don't, don't want to call his name out but anyway he was he was he was a crazy crazy guy um had like nine cats and was posting cat he was literally posting cat but it was it was a weird thing but anyway, on his broker memorandum, said 3000 per door. Okay. And so we're like, huh, why? He would know. He's a broker. Why would he lie to us? And I don't think he lied to us. I mean, I don't think any broker lies to you. I think they just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we put 3000 a door. We're living in Papua New Guinea. We're 24 years old. What do we know? Okay, got it. So you bought it from out of, the out of country then at that time, sight unseen? Sight unseen. I didn't okay. see the property until two months after I owned it. So you probably had too much money to put into this kind of deal without money. seeing it. Okay. I mean, it's 
It's okay. Yeah, it, it was what it is. I bought I bought that property like somebody would buy a rental house. It okay. wasn't okay. Got it. Got it. I just knew, and the reason I bought it was because all my managers, mm-hmm. all they talked about was like, oh, just either they they did some vacation, they bought some hot stock, or mm-hmm. they bought real estate. So I mm-hmm. wanted to kind of, you know, show them up, and be like, I bought an apartment complex. So, and how many units was that, uh, Joseph? Twenty six units. Twenty six units. Okay. Twenty five thousand a door. So how did you twenty five thousand a door uh, in two thousand eleven? Which I, I think probably a market days. rate at that time in Houston, if I'm not mistaken. 20. I wish I've had a time machine. I'd go back. I'd, you know, things you don't know. Like who would have thought that <laughs> prices would have escalated this fast? And that, that's the other thing that worries me. Like, you know, since we're talking about just being honest with you know mm-hmm. with what's going on is you know it's I'd say equal parts of my success have been from underwriting and from just riding the market. You know, they say a rising tide raises all ships. Uh, raises all ships. We've been on just the most phenomenal bull run of the of the real estate market as the cap rates have been getting compressed more and more. Uh, mm-hmm. But now you're starting to see them kind of plateau. And so now if you want to get returns, you truly need to generate those returns through a proper execution of, of, the, uh, of, the, of the investment. You're not going to be able to bank on cap rate compression when you exit five years from now. If anything, you've got cap rate expansion that's fighting against you. Got it. So that makes it really hard to get returns these days. Yeah. So coming back to this three thousand to thirty thousand dollar difference, right? So once you landed in Houston and you visited the properties, that when you realized that the cost is a lot, or you just you know you you took no. Some time before? So the realization here's when the realization happened. We were we were four units into the rehab on twenty six units. So that puts okay. us at like eighty five percent vacant. And you had a third party property management company. We had a third. My third party property manager, again, I don't, I'm green behind the ears. I don't know what I'm doing. I hired a, a single family property manager who was making his first attempt at multifamily on our deal. So we had, <laughs> you know, the blind leading the blind. He didn't know what the heck he was doing. Uh, he was a bit kind of a conflict of interest because he kept trying to push his own construction company uh, mm. to do the rehab, which was a luxury like this luxury construction company that did multi did single family, which was anyway. So he's doing this rehab or he's managing this. He's, he is the property manager and the construction manager for what's, what we're going on. Cause again, we're still living in Papua New Guinea. So mm-hmm. by the time I come back and realize what's going on, we're four units completely down to the studs. And then we are doing our AC permit uh, because you got to do a permit to install ACs. And as part of that, actually, no, you don't, I don't know if you needed to. Anyway, he was trying to do everything by the book, which I'm not saying don't do it by the book, do it by the book, but obviously you want to try and save money if you can. So he was doing everything by the book. We did a permit. Part of that permit was environmental, which any real estate syndicator now knows you get an environmental. It's just a check the box thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for us. It wasn't required our closing. We never did environmental. So it came. we did the environmental, came back hot for asbestos, Hmm. That's when like, and it's funny because it was basically like a, within 30 days, we got notified that the property had asbestos. I lost my job. And then, on, and then in addition to that, the insurance that we had purchased was fraudulent insurance. So we didn't actually have insurance. So oh yeah, I was in a, I was in a pretty bad spot. And then that's when I joined the real estate group and met my partners and, and the solution to that situation, which is a kind of a rare situation, maybe not rare, but 
you know, you sometimes you come into these situations where you can just throw money at the problem to fix it. And so that's what we did. We just, we were like, look, if we sell the property now that we know it has asbestos and we know, and we're four units down that we can't touch and bring them back online. So I'd have to sell it at 85% occupied. I'm going to take a loss. So I can either take a loss or I can roll the dice, do this massive 30,000 per unit renovation because the neighboring, the neighbors behind me were like the house values behind us were over almost about a million bucks. So we were in a very affluent area. Mm. So we rolled the dice and I, I had my 401k from after uh, my job at Exxon and cashed the whole thing out, went all in on that deal and did a lot of praying. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we knew at that time, though, I felt a lot more confident with uh, what we were doing. Okay. Um, we, had, we knew the numbers. We knew the market. It was just now I was learning a lot on execution with everything that needs to happen for a major renovation. We've sensed that we're now doing our third major renovation where you're doing almost down to the studs and back up. So it's, you know, learned a lot on the first one. Uh, second, one we did a phenomenal job. And this third one, we're just knocking it out of the park. Got it. Got it. Well, it's very interesting that the experience you went through on the first one, I'm sure it's it, it stuck with you on the next few deals, right? Because mm-hmm. now you know you shouldn't do certain things. You must yeah. do certain uh, process and checklists and make sure that you go through. Yeah. Was that a was that a normal bank loan? Because you know usually the so our, our lend- man you just asking all kinds of great questions. Yeah. Our bank was Internet Bank of USA. Internet I've never bank even heard of, of these USA. guys. Never heard about that. Yeah, we <laughs> thought they were a joke bank. We're like, is this one of these scams? Because coincidentally, there was a group called ABC Funding that was based like out of London that was trying to get us to wire them money so they would. You know, it's kind of like these Nigerian prince things. And it, it was very convincing. <laughs> we almost did it. Um, but we finally figured out they were a fraud. But, you know, there's just, there's a lot of, sh- you know, it's so easy to lose money in real estate. Everybody's trying to rip you off. So, no, but who gave you the funding? I know there's some group out of London trying to get you money, but finally, who gave you so the that? So, we, we bought the property with AB, Bank of Internet USA. Okay. And then, which is also part of the story here. They had, you know, banks annually will request, you know, what is your occupancy, Correct. your financials, yeah. and what is your personal financials? And I had just gotten the letter from them like a week before we closed on our refinance to pay them out and start a construction job. Because if, you know, if we hadn't taken the actions we did at exactly the time we did, they would have known that your guarantor is unemployed with no income. Your property is negative cash flowing and uh, and you've got asbestos. And they would have, you know, they probably would have tried to foreclose on me. Like we were like that close to being mm. in a pickle. But anyway, the bank that did the refi and the rehab for us uh, was a local bank. They're no longer around. They're called uh, First Victoria. They were purchased by Prosperity Bank. Got it. Got it. Very wow. All the things that can go wrong went wrong yeah. in that deal, I guess. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, and that's why, you know, I see these guys, you know, that are, you know, trying to buy deals out of state, these heavy value add deals. And I'm like, it's, it's a lot of work. Like you've got to be there. Like the one we're doing right now, I was just there this morning. Like you've got to be there on a, you know, if not every week, twice a week, just to keep tabs of what's going on. Uh, especially in the beginning, because, you know, in the beginning when you're doing your test units, you're trying to see how you want everything. Uh, it gets pretty crazy. 
because that's when you're still setting. You know, you can set things on paper, but then you go from okay, you've set your budgets to all right, let's actually get in there, tear the wall down, let's see what's what's in there, find any change orders. Because you know, for the, so we just closed on uh, 220 units mm-hmm. last September. Uh, it was uh, we purchased it for about 75 a door, 4.8 cap rate going in, uh, and we're spending almost 40,000 a unit on the rehab. And uh, we're going to exit at about an eight cap. So it was uh, it's a short term deal, about four years, uh, in and out. Do this rehab, increase the rents about four hundred fifty dollars. So um, how did you come up with forty thousand dollars rehab? That still seems to be forty thousand. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, so that? for us, mm-hmm. this deal was pretty simple in regards to coming up with the scope. You know, part of the challenge in a lot of deals is okay, where am I going to spend the money to upgrade? So that you're not overspending and you're not being wasteful and just spending money in an area that doesn't do anything for the value, because mm-hmm. uh, it's very easy to do that. You can, you know, you can buy all new doors on something. It doesn't mean you can increase the rent a hundred dollars. Right. Uh, so for us, there was the neighboring property that had been renovated. It, it was just finishing its renovation, and they did the exact same thing. The building was identical; it was the same architect and everything. They were near identical twins. So I was like, well, we just sent our GC there. And we said, okay, do that. Copy that. So that was, he went through, he came up with the scope to do that. And that's how we came up with about $40,000 a so unit. So 40000 is including the exterior, I guess, right? What's that? It's including the exterior renovation. Interior, exterior. Okay. So okay. high level, we've done all new roofs, replacing about half the ACs, okay, all right. new windows, which is very expensive. All new plumbing, also very expensive. Adding washer and dryers gutting the kitchens, all new kitchens, all new appliances, all new floors. Uh, we are redoing the floor plan in the kitchen to add the washer and dryer. So we're knocking down, we knocked down a wall, made the bedroom bigger. So we've completely changed the floor plan of about 50% of the units we've got, uh, because those are the ones we're in. Now, when we get to the other 50%, we'll, we'll see what we're going to do to those units. What else are we doing? So, so yeah, that makes a lot more sense because you are doing roof, you're doing, uh, changing the floor plan as well, right? So that makes a lot of uh, sense in terms of- uh, Redoing the office. We're actually, there's a, we're also building two additional units. They got this giant, uh, one of the properties, it's, it's three properties, uh, which it was, a, it was a portfolio of three and they're all on the same street. One of the three uh, had a, uh, it used to be uh, unofficially used as a senior living. And so it had this warehouse type building that was uh, used, I guess, as the rec- recreational room slash cafeteria. Okay. And now it's just vacant. It's just sitting there vacant. So we're going to, at the f- completion of our project, the last thing we're going to do is go into that building and gut it and, and create two units out of it from nothing. So it's okay. Yeah, that's going to be expensive addition, about 50000 per unit just for those. And what kind of financing are you doing on this? Is it like a... Uh, so we've got bridge debt on it. Uh, okay. We use a group called uh, LaSalle. Mm-hmm. I think they're out of uh, California. Great, great group. Uh, they've been really good to us. So, okay. yeah. Got it. Yeah, that's like a huge change, $40,000. So, I mean, you need to, really need to be really skilled in controlling expense, right? And making yeah, sure well, you get the yeah, rent we, that you we've want. We've proven the upside already because, again, the neighboring property, the neighboring we property. actually, when okay. we did our pro forma, our rents, we budget them at $100 below theirs. Got so it. just to be on the safe side, 
And even that was a 2.2 equity multiple, 23% mm. IRR. Mm. Uh, so if we actually hit their rents, it's going to be even higher than that. Got it. Uh, got it. Got it. So it's going to be a very, very good project. Well, but so we didn't, so we had a lot of confidence going into it that we know the rehab, we know the scope and we know the rents. So then truly it's, we just got to make sure we execute this amazingly. And so so let's, we were off to a great start. Sorry to interrupt you. We were off to a, a great start, and but then you never know what's going to happen. And so for us, we on a on a morning, uh, and then by that evening, I don't know if you recall, Houston got this massive rain. It was like a it wasn't a hurricane, but it was like a it was a really heavy rain. And anybody who's in the Houston area knows that it has an issue with flooding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this property. First of all, luckily we closed it. We put flood insurance on it. It didn't have it before, but we'd put it on just in case because it's Houston and you never know. Mm -hmm. I've had properties that are in a flood zone that didn't flood for Harvey. And I've had ones that are not in a flood zone and I've got almost flooded. So anyway, Mm -hmm. we just go ahead and we put flood insurance on most properties we buy these days. We did on that one. By the afternoon of when we closed, 22 units had about an inch to two inches of water in them on one of our properties. So we had to rip the sheetrock up to the studs, or sorry, up 18 inches, vacate 22 units. So right out of the gate, you know, we had this plan, okay, we're going to start the rehab on January 1. Uh, we're going to spend the next couple of months getting everything in order. We weren't able to do that. So in September, when we closed, I think the 19th, the next day, we're working on relocating, uh, help them out with their belongings. Uh, and then stripping down units. So the good news of all that did get a claim out of it. We've got, you know, paid really well on those units. So those units uh, will actually make be profitable right out of the gate. Uh, got it. Extra got contingency, it. so to speak. So so let's say I mean out of this forty thousand per dollar, you know, um, budget that you have for this latest deal. Let's say your budget got cut into half. Twenty thousand a door, right? For this two hundred twenty units deal, what would you prioritize in terms of value add? I'm trying to find out what is the most valuable value add that you want to do to at least well, come back the, to your part performance. of the reason why it was so expensive is that we had so many items that were deferred. We had a lot of deferred maintenance, and mm-hmm. the problem with deferred maintenance is it doesn't. There's no value there. You know, the resident like uh, there's no value, and you know, residents not going to pay you because the roof is new. Uh, they should, but they're not going to. So for us, we had, I don't have the figures, but off the top of my head, I know like the roof was about a thousand a unit. I know the plumbing was about 5,000 a unit. Okay. And the plumbing people say, oh, there's no value in plumbing. And that's why nobody ever does it. But, but there is value. It, right? If you want somebody to move out quickly, then put them in a unit that does that has very low water pressure. And they're, okay. they, I can almost guarantee they're not going to renew their lease because if they can't take a shower in the morning, you know, it could be the most beautiful unit that, that they ever seen. And, but if they can't take a shower in the morning, they're not going to renew. Mm. Um, so for the roofs, yeah, we were like 850 a unit on the roofs. Mm. And so we had all these different items that uh, made up that. So that property, I couldn't really tell you if I only had twenty thousand uh, dollars, I wouldn't have bought. If I only had twenty thousand per unit, I wouldn't have bought the property. Because no, the let's only just say way, you already buy it, and now you are stuck with it. Now you have twenty thousand. Yeah, the only way that that property works at that price is you go big. You got to do a massive renovation. Okay. Otherwise, I would have had to pay 
20,000 less per unit to make it work. Okay, interesting. And what about the interior unit rehab? What are the what are the rehab that you usually prioritize to, to get the highest rent bump? So for the interior, you know, kitchens are big. Mm-hmm. Kitchens sell. And we were actually playing around with this one trying to do a combination of like uh I don't know if you've, if you've seen convection microwave ovens because mm-hmm. uh, we've got some efficiency units. And so we've got like six of them that instead of putting a full appliance set uh, that we're going to go and put a, just a microwave uh, convection oven. Uh, so that two burner stove, uh, just a two burner glass top deal. Uh, and then a fridge and now that'll be it. They won't have any oven. They'll just have that microwave that also has convection. And so that's, that's what we're playing with there. But I guess, I think again, kitchens are huge, having really good fixtures and a good design. And so everything flows, you know, we've, we've got a professional designer that we're using, uh, for the whole thing. Uh, we're not doing any of it ourselves and, you know, having all of that kind of flow and have a good look to it does well. So, I think if you spend money on the kitchens, kitchen, I think you'll okay. be okay. Because that's yeah. where they're at a lot of the time. People spend a lot of time in the kitchen and then bathrooms as well. So we're doing all new bathrooms, new tile surrounds, new tubs. And then also for us, one that's going to really hold you back on the money is really try to do add washer and dryers, especially when you're going to these new units. And for us, like if, if you don't have the space, like we were, we're at, we have 650 square feet on most of these one bedrooms we're doing. And what we're doing is a stackable front, is a stackable front loader. Front loaders are more expensive. Yes, but we're appealing to a, to a higher profile. Our rents are, they are buck 70. So we're getting crazy high rents. And so part of our pitch is appliances. We've got really nice appliances as well. And that includes the washer and dryer. We're not giving them some cheap, you know, front, uh, some cheap top loader with the agitator in the middle that destroys your clothes. Um, You know, people like to have nice appliances. So I think make sure you get washer and dryer. And if you don't have space, just be aware that you can stack a front loader on top of each other. It takes up next to nothing. Got it. So your strategy is to give to really spend a lot of money per door and get the highest maximum rent uh, that you can. It's not really a strategy. I mean, it's just it's just a skill set that we know how to do. You know, it's just like right. knowing what techniques you need to apply on a certain property given mm-hmm. this the scenario in order to make it successful. You know, if I could have had a two hundred percent return and spent much less, then I would have spent much less. Got it. You know, I'm not recommending that everybody go and spend forty thousand a unit uh, on every property. I think that's. Uh, I was telling our my new partner on the construction side. I was like, we really got to, and we, we may never see a forty thousand per unit property again. I mean, I thought I never thought I would see a thirty thousand per unit, and that's been the case. Most of our deals have been ten thousand per unit, yeah, you know, and less. I, I'll say because there's so much education out there from like people like yourself and who, you know, owners know now that they can resurface the counters, they can redo the floors, they can do a lot of this. And so it's very rare that you're going to pick up a property that's untouched. And that was, that was part of the story on this one. It was, it was untouched, which it, mm-hmm. which it really shouldn't have been considering who the previous owner was. It really should have been previously renovated, but that's another story. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I've done like 10,000 per unit uh, per door renovation. And I thought that was a lot because we had like yeah. stainless steel, we had crown molding, we had exterior, interior painting. We did like all, I mean, not a new roof, but everything else was changed. It looks really, really nice. And I'm just, you, I just kind of find value in the crown molding? Uh, not anymore. I think in the beginning, we had the budget, you know, we really liked the way the way it looks but i don't think so it's really catered for the yeah. renters, uh, renters yeah we don't do it you know one of the things we're doing here that's again it's expensive but we're scraping off the popcorn ceiling oh, got it. so got you've it. got smooth ceilings it's it's the modern look um, really? okay. we're also going with black windows which you know so one of our we had a hundred and fifty thousand dollar change order because we went from when we went from white vinyl windows to black we can all agree that material-wise, there was zero additional costs that that vendor incurred other than that they're now black and black is more trendy now and popular. So now they increase the price, 150 grand. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's, that's what, but there we installed several of them now and they look amazing. I have never seen a black window. Oh, <laughs> super cool, yeah. You must be a new trendsetter. <laughs> so I need to come and visit your property. You, when you there. drive by the property, you look. You know, it's you can't help but notice so it. A, I feel like vinyl windows, the white uh, ones, they're nice. And if that's all you can afford, great. But it's going to date your property to an older style. And, you know, yeah. with what we were doing, it's all about style. And so we had to go, we had to kind of go the extra mile and be the, the, mo- the coolest kind of hip property. Uh, you know, we've rebranded the whole thing. It's, it's, it was Candlelight. Now it's called the Melrose. Uh, going for this kind of South Beach, uh, hmm. kind of uh, not South Beach, uh, what do you call it? The California kind of beach, Laguna Beach kind of theme. Uh, so it's going to be really cool. Palm Palm Springs. Palm Springs. And what is the price difference between the black and the and the? It white was about one? 150 grand across 220 units. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you know like price per per window difference? Not off the top of my head. No. Okay. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, that, that's something new that I've never seen. Because more. it's going to depend on some units have more windows than others. Got but it. I can just average it. You just do 150 over 220 units, whatever okay. that comes out to. All right. Just so why not tell our audience how to get hold of you and your company? Yeah. So the best way is just uh, shoot an e- email to info at triarchrep, T R I A R C R E P dot com. They can also call us my direct line, 281-836-4181. Those are the best kind of ways to get in touch with us. You can also check out our website, triarchrep.com. Or, you know, we just moved into our first office space, which, you know, is a a, a good feeling, a good milestone for anybody when they're they're forming, when they're growing their company. We just moved into uh, 3,500 square feet. Uh, so we're here in Houston. We're at 290 in Mangum at that intersection. So if you're in the area, shoot me an email. I'd love to meet with you, uh, and we can show you, you know, show you our team and show you some of our properties. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, you added a lot of value in terms of deep value add renovations, right? What are the things that you guys are doing? And this is really deep value add. Is what you guys are doing. Yeah. And I just love the deep value add because. You make a lot of money if you execute it right and if you turn it around. You can lose the money. You can lose a lot of money too if you do it wrong. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you execute it right, right, you need a really yeah. strong operator. Yeah. Uh, to really manage the expenses, the contractor management, the turnaround process, the rent increase. That's a lot of steps. A lot more steps than buying the 
cookie cutter value add deals, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's not like, yeah, because most cookie cutter deals you can manage just with your operations team turning units on an as is as they come available. Correct. Uh, I mean, we actually have a full blown schedule for this thing that we that we that we got developed. So it's yeah, yeah, it's a major project. It reminds me of you know, gives me flashbacks to working for Exxon when we're building that project. You know, we have the same, mm. we're approaching it with the same mentality, the same project management heavy approach. Got it, got it, got it. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, you know, talk to you soon. All right, see you, James. Bye. That's it for this episode. If you'd like to learn even more, check out James's free audiobook. It's the audio version of his best-selling book on passive investing. You can get the audiobook completely free, along with other valuable resources, by visiting www.achieveinvestmentgroup.com forward slash free audiobook. Also, be sure to join our Facebook group too. To find it, just do a Facebook search for Multifamily Investors Group. Thanks for listening. Join us again for another episode next week. See you then.